Okay, was that directed? This is the strategists. Well, no. Who is she directing? We had a vote. We had a vote. I wasn't on the Discord today. What do you? Hi, everybody. Zane's not here tonight, and Annalise is not here tonight. We have two hosts. I'm so angry about this. Wait. Oh, sorry. This is the Strategist episode 1070. My is name is? is Stephen Carter. And I'm Corey Hogan. That's wrong, too. We've kind of blown this one a bit. I think you blew yours on purpose, though. I did, because, you know, the openings have been very difficult without a host. And I just do not understand. Like, this this has gotten out of hand. It's been a while. But it's gotten okay. out of hand. Remember, we hired two hosts because you and I, we realized after our last Carter and Hogan... Yeah, that we needed a host, right? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. So if this is your first episode, it's um, yeah, it's not it's not our first. welcome to the strategists. Yeah. yeah, but you need a host, right? And okay, so we hired two hosts, and now Zane's pissed because we hired Annalise, and he's yeah not coming back till we you know deal with and, that. And Annalise is pissed because we've promised to fire Zane forever, and we still haven't done it. I know, and it's just it's yeah, not working. It's really tough. It's not working really for any of us. So, mistakes have been made. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a little bit of levity here. We like to have fun on the Strategist Podcast. The reality is, Zane is just refusing to come back until he's promoted to Strategist. And yeah. Annalise's election contract ran out, and she's refusing to sign a new one until Zane is demoted to Strategist. So, we're working it out. There's so many issues, really, on this podcast right now. It's It's remarkable. <laughs> it's remarkable. <laughs> You know, well, issues is the name of the game, my friend, because the the Discord did vote for me to be host of this particular podcast. I put together sure? a show for. Are us. you sure? Yeah, I think so. Are you sure? Because what you yeah. said is that they put a lot of C's, and C stands for Carter. So I think it stands for Corey, but we'll never know. It's and Carter, and nor will Hogan. we ask. Okay. <sighs> That's a good point. That is yeah. how we brand this podcast. Yeah, yeah, big show. Mm. Good start, right. though, hey? Listen, yeah, I think you so. know how it got cold in Calgary? It did get cold. I'm wearing a sweater right now. Yeah, did it create, uh, did, you know, discomfort in your household? Did you, did you and Lori have a little spat about it? Because no, I wanted the he- heat turned up, right? Because it's really cold. I wanted the heat turned up, and Heather just wanted me to leave. So... <laughs> And in fact, she wasn't even talking about the heat. No, she just, she's just like, leave, yeah. please. Yeah. And uh, anyways, it's quite a quite a situation we got over here. I'm freezing, so if my if my uh, if I, my teeth chatter, it's because we can't turn on the heat because it's the middle of summer, even though it's like a gajillion degrees below zero. Okay, well that's good to know. Um, yeah, I never have the heat on when I'm recording. I'm a professional. I don't need that audio scape. That's generally what I shoot. No, I mean I'm two levels above where my heater is, so we can't hear it. But yours is right beside you. Apparently, yeah, yeah, I'm living that dream. Yeah. Living that basement dream. One day we'll have a studio. Remember when we to- we toyed with that we idea? We used of to talk our- about that. Yeah, taking our Discord money and putting it into a studio. Do you remember that? Not we a did. Discord, yep. our uh, Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. But and then we, we were like, instead? yeah, we were like, yeah, we could keep that we money. Keep that we money. thought that's that great. great. Then we started yeah. paying Annalise and, and Zane and, um, yeah, so yeah. now we don't get to keep any of it. <laughs> we don't make any money yeah. at all. You and yeah, I. Now we just have obligations. Yeah. And we have paperwork. To pay everybody but all the no time. no more money from the podcast. Yeah. yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what? Four minutes. That's normal banter time, right? Yeah. 
I think so. This is what people so. are I looking for. I mean, when for. we we've done longer, do you want to do you want to try and double no, down and not even remotely? Do you want to hear about the show I've created here? Are we going to do this Zane style where the segments sneak up on you, like you're walking through an alley and somebody's hiding behind a garbage pail? I think. Or are we going to do this different? We're going to talk about what's on the agenda tonight. I've always appreciated just not knowing, right? It, it, it's sometimes I think I'd better. Be, I think I'd be discouraged if I knew the topics in advance because like I the, think, <laughs> you know, the audience deserves better, right? So yeah. maybe it's better that we don't know. One of us should know, though. Do you know what you want to do? I do. I have three segments here for us here. Three? And I could what tell are you, you about them. Turning into Annalise in the last Patreon? All right. We're going to move on like, to the first, oh, first segment. Okay. First segment. Reflections on the election. Stephen Carter, this is our first public podcast since the election. If you want to yeah. hear our instant reactions, if you want to hear Carter yell and scream and not apologize to Janet, then you can go to the Patreon episode that we recorded recently. The title of the episode yeah. is An Apology to Janet. And yeah. that struck me as more than enough. <laughs> I don't know that it is. I don't I know that any anybody... Feedback. No one said anything. I mean, they're just not talking to you. So I think that should tell you how it's all going here. Going but if great. you want to hear... If they're not talking to me, then it's a win-win. If you want to hear our instant reactions to the election, uh, assisted along by a host, then you can certainly listen to our most recent Patreon on that. Uh, mm -hmm. If you want to hear our reactions after a day or two, this is the episode for you. So Stephen Carter... It is now Thursday, June 1st. It yeah. is 8.51 p.m. Mountain Time, 10.51 p.m. Eastern. What is your thoughts about this election that we just went through three days ago here in Alberta? Top line me. Well, I mean, I think it was ridiculously close. Um, you know, the, this election that uh, in this province that is supposed to be, um, you know, a conservative province without any leanings left or any leanings to the, you know, to the middle even because we're so conservative. Uh, it turned out we were pretty, pretty open to the idea of electing um, an NDP government or a UCP government. And ultimately, a few thousand votes either way. And we and we have, or, you know, going back to the NDP and all of a sudden uh, we have an NDP government, which, um, you know, I'm kind of glad we, we that it didn't go that way overnight because i think that if we'd woken up and that uh the election has shifted uh because of course the ucp were ahead when we all went to, when i went to bed but you guys stayed up late because you're young i stayed up yeah. yeah i'm not young so i went to bed but if it shifted overnight i think people would have lost their, their fucking minds right like it would have been like we went to bed and the ucp were winning and we woke up and the counting machines gave it to the NDP. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that it just got close, that it didn't go over the top because I don't have a lot of confidence that uh, some of our uh, more right-wing citizens would have taken that particularly well. Uh, but for the province, of course, I'm completely devastated that the, uh, the UCP is back and Daniel Smith is going to remain our premier. It's uh, not a great thing for the province, but what do you do? Well, hey, let me tell you my thoughts. I, I think it was a close election in in the case of seats, for sure. Absolutely, mm -hmm. it was a close election in terms of seats. You you nailed it. We talked about it on the last episode. It's worth underlining here. 1,300 people changed their mind or 2,600 people show up that didn't show up in the right places in six ridings. And this is an NDP government. Mm 
Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Like it's we've never had an election that has gotten so close. Like, you know, so few votes would have fundamentally changed the outcome here. And I, I want to really underline this, especially for people not in the province of Alberta. It was what? 1.6, 1.7 million votes, Stephen? Oh, yeah. It, 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 yeah 2,600 yeah. 2, new votes would have changed that election. It was very, very close. Uh, when you think about it in terms of the mechanics and the parties getting their vote out and the things that they could have potentially done that would have changed the outcomes. And you said it on the last show, if the weather was different in oh, Calgary yeah. that day, maybe we have a different election. If it's raining and uh, election day turnout goes down by 5%, it's it's a it's almost an NDP blowout, right? Like that that is how close this election was. Um, and I think that people need to understand that when, when looking at what happens as we move forward, right? Like... Uh, it was a super close election. Um, I'm hoping that uh, no one claims significant mandate out of this because I don't think significant mandate was was earned. Well, so this bridges into my reflection, but I, they will. The UCP will. are claiming a significant mandate already. They were talking about a strong, stable government even the night of their surrogates who are on television. And to be fair to them, the overall popular vote was 52 to 44, right, in the province but there are a couple of things you got to keep in mind with that number. First of all, the NDP weren't trying to win the popular vote. So their efforts were focused on winning seats. Yeah. And it's the exact same as why I kind of roll my eyes whenever somebody says Donald Trump lost the popular vote in 2016. Well, that's true. But if it was about trying to win the popular vote, his campaign would have made different decisions. That's right. the reality of campaigns. Campaigns gear themselves towards winning, not towards getting moral victories in terms of popular vote. That's just not a reality of things. Was the NDP likely ever to exceed the UCP popular vote? I don't know about that. But, you know, in the rural areas, the NDP weren't even playing for yeah. by and large, right? And, they just weren't. Big, big, ro big roll ups on votes. Up. Big. Big, yeah. big leads there. When yeah. you get into Edmonton, huge NDP lead, not as big as the UCP rural. And when you get into Calgary, NDP are winning Calgary in popular vote and in seats as well. So my reflection is this, and this is sort of my bridge into the reflection. It's kind of closely tied to yours here. I think that at the end of the day, elections are really important, and obviously they have consequences, and now we're going to have four years of UCP government, and depending on who you are and how you feel, your mileage is going to vary on that fact. Stephen, obviously, deep anxieties about that. I understand that. Yeah. But I will say, if you want to take a broader view of this, if you want to step back one step, the fact of the matter is... The difference between losing by 2,600 votes and winning by 2,600 votes is pretty immaterial, right? Like when you think about who the province is and what the province is and the demographics and the story it tells you about modern Alberta, I'm not saying there's no consequences here. What I'm saying is what it tells us about Alberta shouldn't fundamentally be different because of 5,000 votes one direction or another. Can we sort of agree on that? Well, I mean, you're trying to make it this moral victory that I've uh, that I've really rejected. I'm not, not moral trying to victory, make it a moral a, victory. A, 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 some sort of, you know, look at who we are. We're different than we think we are. Well, we're not, not because we elected the lunatic. I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, you're I'm not trying to do that. That's what you're well, I'm that's not what trying you're to doing. say, hey, look at us. I mean, look at you. What so I'm saying. So inadvertently taking us to this place then. Yeah, I know. That's where I kind of. Here's. <laughs> Here's what I'm actually saying. Okay. Demographics are destiny. And the demographics of Alberta have fundamentally shifted. Our politics have fundamentally shifted with them. 
The NDP have gone from 5% of the vote in Calgary to 34% two elections in a row to 49% and counting. And this is this is this has kind of changed the game in Alberta regardless of what the outcome was on Monday. This is now a competitive province. The UCP can't deny it. The NDP aren't going to deny it. And that's going to change the way even a UCP government has to approach things, or else they're going to get fucking crushed in 2027. I think that's kind of interesting. I think that in many ways you can make the case that Alberta is a much more competitive landscape than Quebec or Ontario. And you know, you're right about the one thing. Right? Yeah. I well, think for yeah. sure, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Like this is a pretty robust political environment at this point, and I, I think that that's interesting, and that's something that we should all be watching, no matter where we are in the country. Well, I mean, that took you a good thirty, thirty-five minutes to get there, but now that you've gotten to that point, I, I understand why you were making that. Thank you. There you uh, go. That's my reflection on the election. That's you like pretty good stuff. Too? My God, like that's yeah. that is a pretty solid start. For just you and me being here. Like, don't you think? I think think so. Yeah, I think so. I think that people uh, are just going to be... I mean, you and I, when we started the episode, before we started recording, you know, we both kind of indicated that this was probably going to be a shit show. And so far, (laughs) I think we've done way better than a shit show. Um, Way better. So congratulations to us. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to me. Do you got any more reflections before we move on? Anything you want to throw on the pile? I have a few questions that are reflection-based questions, but do you have really any have, opening I mean, thoughts I, I, here? I don't want to take away from our fantastic, uh, you know, 75-minute, uh, almost almost 90-minute, actually, uh, episode that we did with Annalise when she, before she fucked off on us uh, in, a, in a snit. Um, so, you know, pay your money, guys. Go, go listen to that episode. That was fantastic. That was some of your best work, Corey. Not hey, only were you insightful, that. you were humorous. Uh, you know, I don't know what kind of pep talk Lori gave you, but it was, it, it really worked. Thank you, Lori. Listen, St- Stephen, if I'm going to be honest with you, yeah. you really nailed how insightful I was in that last comment of yours. Thank you, Corey. You know what? Thank People you. have said that I've been mean to you on the podcast, and I think I've just proven them wrong. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Okay. I do want to get your reflections on two specific things. Okay. One, let's start here. The state of the UCP. This election has happened. It's not a huge win for the UCP. They can pretend it is. But it's like uh, my old friend Kent Hare likes to say, you lie to your friends, I'll lie to my friends. Let's not lie to each other. Was not a good night for the UCP. They held on, but barely. What is the status of the UCP? What's that party looking like today? What's that party looking like over the next few months? The, that party, to me, looks an awful lot like the uh, the uh, Conservative Party of Canada, in insofar as you know, it was brought together by one person. Um, you know, the Conservative Party of Canada brought together by Stephen Harper, the uh, UCP brought together by Jason Kenney, and since Stephen Harper has left, they've lost every election. Uh, they don't really know how to appeal to the electorate. They do not have. Uh, that momentum that others, uh, you know, that that Harper brought to the table. And they're a little bit lost. And I think that the same type of situation is going to exist here for the UCP. Because the UCP um, didn't do great. And there's going to be two arguments for why they didn't do great. One argument is going to be they went way too far to the right. Way too far to the right. They lost Calgary because they were so far to the right. 
Um, you know, Danielle Smith and, and the Take Back Alberta stuff was exceptionally dam- damaging to them and their brand. And that's one argument that's going to be told. And the other argument that's going to be told is um, we lost conservatives. You know, there was 100,000 conservatives that voted last time that didn't vote this time. And the reason they didn't vote this time is they didn't feel we were conservative enough. If we'd only been more conservative, then we would have been able to bring in all of those people. And the reason I can say these things with such confidence, I've heard these arguments before. I've heard these arguments when the Wild Rose existed. I've heard these arguments when when uh, the, the the floor crossing happened and Jim Jim Prentice wound up losing in, in 2012. All of these arguments have been around for a long time. And the the proponents of each of these arguments very rarely back away from the position. They dig in and they believe that with all their heart that Albertans are the way that they see them. And polling, numbers, data, none of those things matter. What matters is the way that people feel. And I think that this is going to be one of those splits uh, that's very hard to reconcile, like what the Conservative Party of Canada is. We, I mean, maybe maybe Pierre Polyev is able to pull it all together, um, but I just don't think he will. So, you know, I think that that's the state of the UCP. Danielle Smith's going to be facing a mandatory leadership review with sometime within the next year. When she faces that leadership review, she is going to have to either appeal to the moderate side or appeal to the Take Back Alberta side. And I don't know that appealing to both of those sides simultaneously would be available to her. If it is, she's a hell of a talented politician. Um, and we'll be watching. Well, you know, you threw a few things on the table I want to follow up on. First is, like, is there a moderate side to the UCP right now? Well, I think that I think that if you're on the far right, the far right, th- like the far right calls me a communist. Right. And, and I used to be a progressive conservative uh, chief of staff. Right. Like I'm not exactly I'm not exactly, you know, a, a communist. I mean, relatively free trade kind of kind of fella, you know, kind of went down that path. Um, you know, but- Relatively free trade kind of fella is is uh, you should put that on a business card. It is on my business card. Oh, I would okay. have given I, I, you one of my business cards, except I really don't want to work with you. So <laughs> that's that, fair. That for yeah. you know. That, that, anyways, my point is this: um, the far right, the far right, isn't like a normal group. The far right is far right, and they look at anything, um, anything that 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 brings the word pragmatic into the into the conversation as a selling out of the true moment, you know, of the true uh, value of conservatism. And I think that that's where Danielle's going to find herself. Um, I honestly do. So can I ask a question about, I want to follow up on this. This is interesting to me. Yeah. Because I think underlining some of the things you've said here suggests that maybe you don't believe that the far right is correct, that the problem is they put too much water in their wine. You you think that... I just I think that there's there's always a middle, and I think that the middle um, was less catered to by the UCP uh, than would be wise for the long term. I think that so the, I want the middle yeah. still exists. I want to push back a little bit though, or I at least want to challenge it and get your reaction to a couple sure. of things that I would observe. One is if you actually read the UCP's platform this time around, 
pretty pretty moderate. You know, most of the things that are the most aggressive, I think, are reserved for the section on fighting with Ottawa, or like basically all of their commentary on that. Yeah. And then otherwise, it's pretty middle of the road, you know, guarantees around healthcare, uh, the language around education, it obfuscates perhaps their personal views, but it's not a it's not a really wild platform. So that's one. Two is when I think about probably the most conservative platform in recent times, it's Jason Kenney's, which was also the largest majority in terms of votes, raw votes in Alberta's history and higher than this time. So maybe maybe some evidence supporting that argument that you know true conservatives wouldn't have stayed home. And then the third thing I'll say is it's it's you know it doesn't take a lot of time to say it's three syllables is Jim Prentice. Yeah, but remember, yeah, that's three syllables. Jim, see, see how Jim Prentice is three syllables there. Yeah, I really wasn't interested in counting syllables. Um, but thank okay. you for thinking that that like, would but occupy it felt my like, time. It uh, felt like you were waiting for another syllable. No, here's here's I what just, I want to say to all of that. Motivation. Okay. For, this is this this type of of critique has been around for a very long time. Again, I have seen it in the in the UCP for or the Wild Rose or any of their predecessors for a very very long time, and they always come up with statistics just like the ones you came up with, and they say, "See, see." You know, I remember Vitor Marciano running around and telling me that, you know, there were three hundred thousand more people that voted for the for the federal Conservative Party in federal elections than did vote for the PC Party and the Wild Rose in in provincial elections, and that just proved we weren't conservative enough. And I and I said, "Well, no, that that proves that there's probably different." motivations for voting in a federal election than there is for voting in a provincial election. So when you talk about um, Prentice getting uh, fewer votes and Kenny getting more votes, um, tr- these are stati- these are absolute truths, absolute truths. But the, <laughs> the reasoning for the votes is different. The rationale, how people approached it. People, people voted against Jim, Jim, or Jim Prentice, not because he was Jim Prentice, but because he represented um, all of the you know, the conservative rule for that period of time and and then had the audacity, the audacity, I tell you, to um, to blame it on us. You know, the voters who had selected this for for so long. So we look in the mirror. We yeah, took it out. Famously. on him. We took it out on him and we, we made sure that he was punished. Um, <clears throat> and then we, you know, we move on to Jason Kenney. Jason Kenney's not running to replace the end, you know, in a regular race to replace the the uh, NDP. Jason Kenney's, in fact, running to restore our economic prosperity, right? It was because the NDP had destroyed, destroyed, I tell you, our, our economic opportunities because of that worldwide oil slump uh, that, that people seem to attribute only to, to Alberta. But these are the reasons why we see different outcomes, right? It is not... You, you don't hold on to your positioning. Some people do, but very few people hold on to their positioning from election to election. They just don't care that much. They may hold on to their brand position, but their reasoning will shift from time to time. And I don't think that you can do that when you're talking about, you know, how, how secure is the UCP today? I think the UCP has still got two factions within it. And I still think those two factions are going to go to war with one another. And fair enough, I asked you the status of the UCP, and so maybe that's the bottom line. They feel like there's two factions, and those two factions are going to fight. But you've opened up a thread I want to pull on a little bit here. You've revealed okay, a thread. This I don't sounds know. great. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've given me a lot of counterfactuals as to why the far right of that party might be wrong. Give me some evidence that maybe the center might be right, or maybe do you think they're both wrong? 
the center might be right or that the yeah the right- that, that they need to be more moderate the center might be correct i guess i like to really confuse it yeah no that you. question was completely yeah. completely un, 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 undecipherable or indecipherable or whatever however you say that word uh, obviously i don't care because we're not talking in in uh, full sentences um why is the uh the, the the center yeah like what evidence do you have that that being more moderate would actually lead to more electoral success well the evidence shows so the evidence i'm going to go back to is is how do we you know what do we see when we poll uh albertans and i'm not talking about party preferences part like let's remove party preferences from the from the discussion what we discover is that we share we have what what can only be described as small L liberal um, values. So if we were to compare the values to the United States, we would say, you know, what what values do we have? Where do they compare to? And they compare more to Democrats than they do to Republicans. They compare more to people who value society. We value things like um, collective health care. We value things like uh, collective sa- social safety nets. We value public education. Yeah, we'd be run out of fucking Vermont. No, we, no we would be. We, we are so far to the left of where even the even the the uh, Democrats really are in the United States that it's it's almost comical. Um, but as soon as you start putting party overlays onto that, party overlays like progressive conservative, um, people will then start identifying as conservative. Well, I would I would really love to go back and take a look at the at the policies of uh, of of Peter Lougheed through today's lens. Would we be saying that this man is a conservative on any front? Right. He he was he was big into, um, you know, provincial ownership of, of industry. He invested heavily uh, in technology to help corporations. He you know, there, there was there was a, a, a big government hand in the economy all the way through the Lougheed years. Uh, he he his his commitment to the arts was unparalleled. He um uh, you know, he was he was a guy who believed in a social framework um, for our province. And I think that if you were to go back and look at his real legacy, rather than just looking at it with our with our eyes, you know, already half closed and just say he was a conservative, he really wasn't a conservative. And so we loved the values that he brought. We loved that guy, we loved what he brought to it, but we misconstrued him as a as a conservative, and then we misconstrued Ralph Klein. I mean, every every conservative's favorite premier is Ralph Klein. Well, which one? Ralph Klein, the guy who did all the cuts. Ralph Klein, the the guy who cut spending in every department from 1993 to 1997, or the guy who from 1997 to 2006 increased our per capita spending to the highest in the country. Which Ralph Klein do you want? Because you can only have one. You can't have them both. So that's when, when, I, when I talk about, you know, we're not as conservative. We love Ralph Klein. We love Peter Lougheed. We didn't like when Jim Prentice said we have a spending problem, right? We didn't like that. We don't want, um, we don't want our taxes increased. We don't want to pay for anything. We just want all the services. Thank you. Well, that's not real conservatism. And that puts us in the center. So when you say, what evidence do I have? The evidence is, what we say until we add the party brand. And when the party brand gets overlaid, everything changes. All right. Well, that's a premier from 40 years ago and a premier from 20 years ago, but we're going to move on oh and we can talk more about God. that 
I was talking about uh, data. I was trying to give some... Comp- oh, my God. Okay, go. Go ahead. I'm hey. so glad you're hosting the show. Man, my blood pressure. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to sleep. Okay, let's talk about the NDP. Tell me about the state of the NDP right now. I'll, I'll Maybe I'll do a Zane Velgy-style preamble to get mine on the table Oh, here. great. That's good. Give you a little bit of time because, you know, you probably couldn't figure out where this was going after I asked you about the UCP. I'm pretty angry so you're probably right You're probably thinking yeah. a bit about this here. Yeah. So we have the NDP. NDP lost a close election. Obviously, always hurts to lose, right? But as we've both talked about, a couple thousand votes could have been a totally different way. Also, this is a leader in, in Rachel Notley that brought the party from nowhere to everywhere to somewhere, you know, and everything in between, too. Clearly, clearly well regarded by her party. Clearly, everybody's going to give her the latitude to make the decision she wants to make. So let's just take that as a something we both agree, right? Yeah. Like this is this is not like will Rachel Notley pass a leadership review? Yeah, she'll pass a leadership review. My God, if Andrea Horvath can have four kicks at the can, you know, one of the most talented politicians of her generation can have a fourth if she wants, right? One who actually was premier for one of them. Um, so that's all. Let's take that as a given. The state of the NDP right now, Rachel Notley, leader. But already starting to see, in an undisputed leader, but we're already starting to see people say, is the mistake that the NDP went too left? Is the mistake that the NDP went too right? Uh, is the mistake that the NDP were too tied to the federal NDP? Is it some combination of all of these things, depending on what you want to cut it on? And my question for you, in some ways, it's the parallel of, of your answer to the UCP is, what's going on with the NDP? Where are they? Where are they going to end up? What should we be keeping our eye on coming out of this election? Well, here, I'll tell you my great fear for the NDP. My great fear for the NDP is they say, oh, my God, we were so close. It could have gone either way. Let's just keep everything the same way. Right. Everything, if we just do See, it. See, that's, that's so interesting. That's not a fear of mine, because like we said, the weather could have given them the government. The weather could have given them the government, but the next election won't be the last election. What is our, what is our, one of our primary rules on this podcast? Yeah, that's they right. Don't fight Generals the and ne- politicians. Right. Always you, fighting the last war. This war is over. This war you lost, and now the next war, whether it's, you know, there's a, a snap election and, and after, uh, after, you know, uh, What's her name? Smith. That's her name. Who can remember that? It's so generic. Uh, after Smith is 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 tossed overboard by the right wing fanatics to take back Alberta, uh, and David Parker is installed as the leader, and and they lose the government because, you know, the 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 four moderates finally find a, a backbone and and walk away, um, and the NDP says all we have to do is what we did last time, and. I just think if they did what they did last time, they'll lose by more because we will have moved past that. Um, when we're talking about what the NDP should be doing, I mean, yeah, they should take a look. They should take a look. Did we go too far to the left or did we go too far to the right? I, I think that they went uh, almost perfectly down the middle, but I think that the challenge was they weren't giving back to the people, right? We talked about us and them uh, branding how many times, Corey, how many times do we talk about us and them branding and, and having the, the NDP stand up for us and protect us from them? And instead of doing that, the NDP uh, couldn't tell a story and didn't put themselves in a position of, of success um, 
And I think that that meant that it didn't matter if they were far to the right or far to the left. They just didn't communicate it properly. Uh, and I and I don't mean like the advertising. I mean, like, literally the leader couldn't tell a story. And we saw that in the debate. So my thinking about where the NDP is, is that if Rachel stays, as, and we and I agree with you, she's earned the right to decide for herself. If Rachel stays, then she needs to determine. She needs to look in. She needs to look in the mirror and say, "What is it that I need to do differently so that people perceive me differently?" And that could be any number of different things. But if she comes back and she does the same playbook, she will lose by more, not less, in the next election. Hmm. Okay, well, we're going to leave that there. Obviously, talking about what happened in this election is going to be a lot of the next couple of weeks. A, we're Albertans. Sorry, everybody else. It's going to be a minor obsession. B, we got to get Zane Velji back on if we can get past this contract dispute with him because he worked on this Doesn't campaign. this feel like another Chester thing, though? Like, Fuck, Chester, kind of. Like He fucked us so solidly, and now here we are getting fucked again. By Zane. And we replaced him with Zane because we thought there's, there's no, no way we, the way we structured it with Zane that he could possibly cause us troubles. Well, I mean, who'd have thunk the guy would have shown a backbone? Like, I didn't. I mean, <laughs> it was unexpected to be sure. Uh, yeah. We're all I mean, a little Annalise, upset about it. Annalise, well, we, we knew when we brought her in that she yeah, was... from the start. Yeah, she was more capable than we were, and she was going to run the show. Uh, but, uh, man, we're screwed. But Zane... Zane, Zane was always yeah, just crazy. our little puppet, our little puppet. And now he's well, fighting back. Here we are. It's no good. Yeah, it's no yep. good at all. Okay. All right. We're going to move it on to our next section here. Our next section, accountability session. Stephen Carter. Oh. We have talked about the UCP. We have talked about the NDP. We've thrown stones at the things they've done, the strategies that we've disliked. Yeah. But I think it's Rightfully time for a little so, bit by of- the way. Rightfully so. A little bit of self-reflection. Huh? We gave advice. We gave advice throughout this campaign to both parties. We gave recommendations. We said, this was a good idea. This was a bad idea. And now, after this election, I think it, it behooves us to give ourselves some of our own medicine here and sit and talk about maybe the things that we have come up with that we're not so sure about anymore. And this is not a situation where I'm going to sit and say, Stephen, I think this advice of yours was wrong. And you're not going to say, Corey, I think this advice of yours was wrong. That's good. We're going to, we're going to talk this out. Yeah. That, okay. Well, I would get a little vicious. I think. Yeah. Right. Long. We're going to talk this out. Okay. So what's going to happen here is we're going to take turns. I'm going to say something that I said that I think upon reflection was not correct or, or maybe a better way to put it is, I'm not so sure about anymore. Okay. Then then you're going to do the same, but about you, just for clarity, because I okay. could already see the wheels turning. Well, I was you're... immediately thinking of several things you said that were really half <laughs> So I'm glad you cleaned that up for me right away. Yeah. Okay. And we're each going to do two. We're going to do one for the UCP and one for the NDP. Okay. So start thinking. I'll give wow, you a minute here. I have to here. come up with one myself. Whew. Yeah, because it's you saying something that you yourself did wrong. No, but, but I've got my ego, is, and you know how that works. Yeah, that's and, true. Oh. The good news is I'm going to go first. Okay, you go first. I'm going to go first, and then we're going to talk about it. Then we're going to move on to the next thing. Okay. okay. So one of the things we talked about that the NDP shouldn't do, and I think I was pretty firm on this, was they shouldn't get lost in the economy. That time spent proactively talking about the economy and, and really making the economy their centerpiece message. Yeah. That was time they were in the UCP's box. 
That was time where they were discussing an issue that lent to the UCP being the solution. But old-fashioned message box theory. Yeah. Simple. It's hard, hard not to acknowledge yeah. that where it looks like a lot of people have pointed to and said there are some challenges here is that there weren't necessarily NDP answers on some of their economic policies, right? Or at least those answers didn't seem to float to the front. And so... Upon reflection in this 60-40 business of ours, I wonder if maybe, maybe one of the things that we said that was not right, that I said that was not right, I'm not going to throw it to you, Yeah, is you've got to speak about the economy less. You've got to talk about healthcare. You've got to talk about affordability. Well, that's fascinating. <laughs> so you think that that was a mistake. You think that that advice that you gave to the UCP that's grounded solidly in message box theory, right? That that political practitioners around the world use, um, you think that that might have been wrong. Well, so I'm wondering, but your comments make me think maybe you think otherwise. No, I mean, there's no way you were wrong. I mean, every time, you know, you, you when people say, you know, you lost because you didn't talk about the, you know, you were talking about the economy. I mean, really? I, I just don't see that. I don't see that as actually true. So I think you were bang on. I think you're bang you, you on. I almost like, sneezed there. I almost sneezed yeah, because <laughs> I hate agreeing with you. Um, but no, I think you were bang on. I think that that advice was exactly what the NDP needed to hear to be reminded that there are areas of the topic, you know, of topics and conversations that they can win on and that they should focus on those winning arguments. So I'm sorry, my friend. Uh, as much as I love to, I'm feeling a little awkward because I'd, much rather just like take the well, your so, legs but here's out the thing. Here's the thing. There was like there was the one of the things that conservatives I talked to point to say one of the big errors that the NDP made was that they had their uh, you know corporate tax increases and they provided they provided no framework around it. They provided no story. They they didn't right, talk about the economy. You're mixing it up, right? That wasn't that they should have been talking about the con- the, the the economy. That was, you shouldn't be releasing a tax policy without some sort An of explanation. Economic poli- okay, right? interesting. So yeah. you, you, can't, you can't say, oh, look, they screwed this up by putting this thing, you know, this, this tax yeah, policy so, out. And they, yeah, they shouldn't they, have been talking about the economy when really, you know, like, they, sure, they could have they framed that better, but they could have also just not done that. And that would have it's, actually been stayed in their message box, yeah. right? So your advice was correct. They should have stayed in their message box. So <laughs> I've got one though. I've got one. Okay. Okay. So I is... don't have one so far. It sounds no. Like that, you're going to have to think more. You have to think more okay. about it because yours was incorrect. <laughs> I have that they. You know, we told them to stay in their forty-eight, not to get excited and to start pushing out into. Ridings that um, they could have won, you know, like it, when we're looking at how close things were, when we're looking at how close they were, maybe they should have just opened up themselves just a little bit more. You know, there were there were so many ridings that were so close. If they just opened it up and and said, "I'm going to tackle this," um, and we're gonna we're gonna now go to 52, 53 ridings, right? Maybe no way. No, you're no way. Maybe no way. What do you mean? Like maybe you are now the one who's got to put their idea back in the oven here. There's no way. Keep going. I know no, where you're going. You're so wrong. It was so close. Like if if they just 
opened it up and allowed themselves to put the resources in every specific situation, I think that they would have had a chance to, to you know, really, really maximize Fuck. the potential no. vote that they had available to them. No, 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 no. So now I am going to tell you this. Okay. In your defense, you've had 30 seconds to think about this, which is why your idea is so stupid at this particular okay. moment. Okay. <laughs> Well, but here's the problem. You're not just doing this because I did this to you, right? Yeah, like, I'm that would not, be awkward. You know what? I don't like. I would this. have done that. I don't like you. I, just I absolutely like... would have, but I actually have a strong okay. opinion about this. Okay. Okay. The, I think one of the things that, with the benefit of hindsight, was was not optimal by the NDP was we were and man, you know this. We were talking to the same people. I'm not going to put anyone on blast, but we are hearing comments like. Pagan might be in play. Yeah. We're thinking Lawheed's numbers are coming in really strong. These are ridings in Calgary that, at the end of the day, we're not in play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we were hearing things in the donut that we were thinking, like Leduc, that might be in play. Not fucking in play. And, uh, you know, ultimately, it was so bloody close in the places that were in play that the NDP were on the wrong side of. There is no way that they should have moved to broaden the actual like battlefield here. If anything, that battlefield, the path to victory was so narrow. There was one path to victory. It was available to them. They almost got it. They came really close. Different weather could have done it, but that should have been the only focus. The idea of extending it to this mythical 52 riding map that you're talking about. Yeah. It's there's, it's not happening. Like walk me through the seats you think between 45 or 46 and 52. So you would have focused just all the attention on like bow, north, east, cross. Yeah, they were supposed to be one. You mean the ones that if they had won, they would have won the election? Yeah, I think that would have been a great strategy, Stephen. Okay, so maybe I was incorrect in that one. <laughs> okay, you know what? Maybe the problem is we gave a lot of advice. We gave a lot of advice yeah. to the NDP. Maybe our problem is that uh, we're just too close to the NDP and we should probably... If we picked apart the advice that we gave to the UCP, we might be more yeah, successful. Well, that's where we're going. That's because, where we're going next. I already told you. This is where oh, we're going. Okay, you yeah. take me there then. Take All me right. home, country road. Do you want to? I'll go. Do you want? Do you have one? Because I have one, but you sound like you have one. Oh, I have one for no, sure. No, I'm going to go. Okay, I got one too. I'm going to go. Let's first. say I'm at the same. T- okay, the arena. Oh, I was going to say health. We dismissed the arena. You go first. Right off the bat. Right. Yeah. Remember that it was like, yeah, arena will of... not be an issue in this election. Yeah. Uh, we, we said it like that emphatically, that emphatically it was like the arena will not move any votes. And here we yeah. are sitting on the wrong side of two to 3000 votes. Right. And obviously, you know, when you invest $330 million in downtown Calgary, um, downtown Calgary comes out for you and votes for you. Right. I mean, the downtown regions, we're all about the UCP. They jumped in. <laughs> they supported the UCP madly because they wanted to have this investment in their community. Um, and I think that, that it turns out that I think that telling them to not focus on that was a mistake. I, I think, think that they were I banked. think now you are you are now just trying to say things that you know are are actually solid advice. This is my theory now, because there's the, the arena was actually a obviously downtown Calgary did not go to the UCP, despite that arena love that was provided. What? But B, we know. And again, maybe this is drifting into political gossip territory, but it's really not. We know from polling that was done a, um, 
when the arena was last an issue. Yeah. Right. And and from uh, you know friend of the pod Jeremy Farkas has shared some of his mayoral numbers on this. We know that the idea of spending public money on the arena. One thing you are correct about, Stephen, it is more popular downtown than in the suburbs. So those areas where the UCP were in tight races that mattered a lot, less popular there. And we know from the polling that did exist on this particular arena item, it was at best a toss-up. And if it's a toss-up and we have all of this other evidence that if it's going to be better than a toss-up anywhere in the city, it's downtown. The way this math works means in the areas outside of downtown, it's worse than a toss-up. And yeah, you can make a case that it was about triangulation and they found a few votes and this is the votes they needed. But there's no way you can convince me that that was the optimal way to get those votes in terms of dollars. And frankly, you'd have a hard time convincing me that it moved more votes in favor of the UCP than moved against them based on everything we know about arena politics, including the polls that we had on the arena that came out right after this announcement that happened just before the election. So I'm still... I mean, was this a serious one of yours? No, I'm still pretty staggered. Like I'm, pre- I'm still pretty staggered. Do you think I was being disingenuous? <laughs> okay, you mine know? is not. Mine is ingenuous. It's not disingenuous. Oh, it's not. Is is okay? Bring us your ingenuous. I don't know, actually know. Like, what is, is that? Is the an actual opposite? word? Is it just is it genuous? I think that it's ingenuous? one of those words. Ingenuity is just the negative, not the positive. Yeah. I mean, is there a word yeah. genuity? It's the Stephen Carter of words, yeah. Yeah, yeah there is no positive to it. There, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so okay. be ingenuous. Healthcare. We were really hard, particularly me. Again, this goes back to the message box. Yeah. About the UCP talking about healthcare before the election. They were running those stupid ads. Yeah. Well, I thought they were stupid. I'm trying yeah. to show some humility here. But of them walking towards the camera, talking about these health guarantees that they've provided. There was the health guarantee itself, which was the big Alberta health care card prop. You'll remember the event where there was the health care worker. Mm-hmm. The same way I remember Jason Kenney's uh, similar stunts. Yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and at the time... Both of them. At the time... I made an argument that this was insane for them to be talking about. They should be talking about the economy. They That they were... You're being ingenuous, not disingenuous, <laughs> right? Because I need to clarify, is this what's actually happening? You're being ingenuous. You're being truthful. Well, isn't there an honest? argument to be made well, hold that on by second. them doing that? When when did this occur? The week before the election, two weeks before the election. So when Janet Brown, who everybody was telling me is the, the best pollster in the history of mankind, when Janet sure. Brown was polling at that specific time, when they were doing this messaging about uh, healthcare, how were the UCP doing in the polls? I don't know if there was a public Janet Brown poll. And there God was a knows public Janet enough. Brown poll. Was there? Okay. This is the poll that she had the NDP up by eight points, right? When they were talking about healthcare, the NDP was up by eight points. When they stopped talking about healthcare and focused instead on the economy, the NDP went, you know, the UCP went up. In Janet Brown's polls, you know, so I'm not convinced that up is worse than down. So <laughs> I'm I'm having a little bit of trouble with you saying that you're not being disingenuous because well, it's, that okay, feels pretty disingenuous as well. Can you not make an inocula- inoculation case, right? No. You could make an inoculation case. No, because absolutely no one believes this. Absolutely no one. 
I know that this is on the platform. I know that this is the guarantee. No one believes that this is actually the thing that they're going to implement. No one believes that. No one, like, their caucus doesn't believe that. No one believes this. So I I just, I'm sorry, man. Like, I know that you are trying to be the mature, responsible podcast host uh, like Annalise would be if she was here, but uh, you're falling dramatically short of being the honest representative uh, on this particular case. So fail for you. Yeah. All right. Well, upon reflection, our advice was excellent, maybe even perfect. And uh, uh, we're very good at what we do. Yeah. Congratulations. I mean, there's, there's no other way that anybody could reach a different conclusion. That's the best part. We tried to our we best ability so hard. to just tear ourselves apart and we were yeah. unable to do so. We put ourselves onto the altar here and you know what? We were told to walk down the hill and go home. No sacrifice no today. No sacrifice today, good. Corey. God, yeah. we're good. Jesus. <sighs> yeah, we That's are. two guy. whole segments, I might add. That's true. And we're at the 48 minute mark. Uh, we I might mean, even be able to do this because the next one is listener questions. This is not going to take an awful lot of time. Oh, do we have any good le- listener questions? I mean, we had one when I started this. Yeah. And it's pretty long. So maybe I'll just try to read. Uh, I'll read the whole one. Okay. Between. Okay. Am I going to read the whole one? Read the, read the question. You know, read the whole so question. So when I read when I read to my kids, yeah. I like to give voices to the characters. Please. Right? I ask. Yeah. Please do. So like in, in Harry Potter, for example, reading Harry Potter right yeah. now, you know, I give Ron this like nasally voice. Yeah, that's totally know? right. And Hermione has this kind of like breathless know-it-all voice. Oh, yeah. Well, just uh, like you. Just like you. Hey? Well, like, no, that uh, Hermione has that voice. No, Harry, but it's just Harry like your just own voice. Harry just has my voice. Yeah. Harry just has my own voice. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's easier that way. Okay. He talks more. It's easier. And Hagrid, he kind of sounds like a pirate because I, I don't Can do the accent. Can you read the question? We're not reading okay, Harry Potter. Which, I'm pretty do, sure that you would want be a copyright as, strike. Do you want it as... <laughs> do you want it as Ron, Hermione, Hagrid, or one of the other characters in Harry Well, I think Potter. I'd like to be in the first two Hermione. books. We're only on book two. I think it has oh, to be see, I, Actually, I don't know if I want to do that. No, because that would amuse okay, me. Would you like to... The nasally kind of know-it-all voice. No, that... it's not... It's not it's not Ron's is nasally. Oh. Hermione's is know-it-all. It's breathless know-it-all. How is it not just your regular voice? Because you sound to me like a breathless know-it-all, if I'm honest. All right. All right. I'm going to do exactly one sentence in Hermione's okay. voice. That's all you're going to get from me. Damn it. Between Kenny's phone book of a platform, he claimed voters gave him the mandate on the war room that intentionally had structure. This is a long sentence, so okay, I'm going to stop you're here. Gonna, yeah. Had its structure designed to remove from public accountability and the Council of Defeated. The UCP have a problem when it comes to responding to Albertans who aren't 100% on board. How has this succeeded and failed for them? How could the NDP most effectively combat this? Seriously? Um Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing is interpretation of what your mandate is, right? And the UCP have always interpreted their mandate to be uh, very broad, regardless of what the population felt it might be. So the breadth of the mandate that is going to be recognized by the UCP will almost always be in their favor. You know why? Because every mandate is interpreted to the favor. That's how you get your best op- your best outcomes if you're the government. You say... I put this in my policy book, you read the policy book, and uh, you voted for it. And then people say, well, no, no one read the policy book. And you're like, well, you should have. You should have. 
you know, Joe T. Gondek said, you know, we got we have a climate emergency. And people were like, where was that? I, I actually showed the media the press release that we sent to them. You know, this press release that we sent to you that you guys ignored. Yeah, well, we ignored it. So that doesn't make it valid. No, it's still valid. So, you know, if you don't want the UCP to implement their uh, their policy platform, uh, don't elect them. Because as soon as they get elected, they're going to claim that uh, the majority of Albertans, and this is how it's supposed to work, the majority rules. I mean, that's what all the proportional representation guys tell us. Um, you know, this is a, you know, this is an election where the majority won and now we're going to get the government that the PR reps want. So here we go. Here we go. Yeah. So I agree a bit and I don't, I I actually think this is where Jason Kenney got himself into quite a bit of trouble. And we talked about this at the time when Jason Kenney's leadership was talk about how shitty this question is for a second though, too. Like, like you guys had one question. And this is this is what you gave us, okay? Well, I haven't checked. I haven't checked the Discord. It might, there might be another question that's come in. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna realistically, kind of peer do we over expect it to be better. No, no. So are we gonna but look? I'll tell you this. Why would I look? That's a yeah. good question. Yeah, that's a better question than anything I'll find in the Discord. Steve. Exactly. Here's what I will say, though. The platforms is a challenge, and I think that Jason Kenny in particular really felt like Albertans were voting for his platform. There's such irony here because he would be the first to say people didn't vote for the NDP platform. They voted against, you know, the, the UCP or sorry, the conservatives and the wild rose. And yet when his own platform came along, despite running a campaign that was really about beating the NDP, he really took it as like a stamp of, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to move forward. And, That was, I think, ultimately a bit of a challenge for him because a lot of the things he did were deeply unpopular around education in particular, where people started to say, hold on, whoa, whoa, did did you mean this? And I said it at the time, and I said it as recently as today on the Discord, but it's a bit like a cell phone contract. Like Most voters do not read the platform. Yeah. And they are just kind of, they're like, how much does it cost a month? You know, they're looking at the top line. They're trying to figure it out. And Jason Kenney... I think overinterpreted his mandate. And yes, technically they signed that cell phone contract, but it's not what they thought they were signing. And it led to no end of problems for him because he was just tick, 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 tick going through his platform as Albertans went, wait, 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 as he moved through it. And he just built up some of this resistance from various social groups as he was moving along. But the question itself is really about the UCP having a problem with uh, responding to Albertans who aren't 100% on board. I think there's some truth to that, but I think it's not unique to the UCP. No. It might just be more uh, realized here in Alberta where there's this sense, especially amongst conservatives, that the conservatives are this massive majority. Right? Yep. I, I remember really clearly in 2015... The biggest mistake the PCs made, for sure, and we've talked about this a lot, and this is not a blinding insight, was making the NDP their main opponents. Right. Right? Believing that we could never vote that way. Oops, sorry. They I, believed we could never vote that way. That's the punchline. Point. You're right. Sorry, I took your punchline. Fine. God, I feel bad. It's good. Sorry. You love, you love taking the punchline. Yeah. And 
they just have this blind spot. They have this feeling that like that can't be true representation or that's not the real Alberta. It's like the no true Scotsman fallacy. And so, yeah, they'll create things like this council of defeated. Like we need to get opinions of Edmontonians. So let's go to the people Edmontonians rejected, right? Like this is this idea of a council of going to some of the people yeah. who ran to be MLA. Killed me. That had their asses hit. The loser right? council. Because, you know, there are people actually given that job by the voters. It's the NDP MLAs. You can talk to them. You are allowed to ask what their opinions are. And they are supposed to represent those people. Yeah, accurately and fairly, too. I mean, theoretically, this shouldn't matter which party you are. Uh, You should be providing honest feedback to the government because the government and the government should be asking for honest feedback. Now, that's that's way out there. Crazy ass theory. But yeah, fantasy land stuff. Yeah. Still, but even it's still if you don't what want to do that, happen. there is a city council too. There are elected representatives to deal with these yep. municipal issues, and yeah. So I think in in some ways it's really succeeded for them in that it has allowed them to maintain the civil society of the use of conservatives. Like they are, they always have a home, and they're going to find something to take care of them. But it's created massive blind spots for them. So that's kind of my short version of this question. Well, that was great. You got um, anything else on this question? No, I'm done. I mean, realistically, okay. I don't like answering audience questions anyways, so... Yeah. Well, literally no other audience questions came through, so that's fucking wonderful. We have 500 people in that Discord. Yeah, Let's and there should be more question. because we have so many more, but there's like half of the people who pay us a monthly fee can't figure out how to access Discord. Fantastic. Or don't want. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, Stephen, we know exactly one thing about them, which is that they pay us money, so... Can't be that bright. Um... Okay, that was so, that was unnecessary. Did you bring but, yeah. a lightning round to the table here? Or? No, this is my idea. This is my version of the lightning round. The listeners' questions. Yeah. Okay, then I guess I guess because I'm I'm doing my thing. Guess so you get a. Hey, hey, Maddie. <laughs> hey, Maddie. Seriously, you guys are yeah. done. That's how we yeah. finish. You've never done a heart a, a Carter and Hogan. I hate you both. <laughs> I just cannot stand you.